Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Want to make sure we get some bloopers right up front. <laughs> what I meant to say is, hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Hi. <laughs> perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. We have reached a really big milestone today. That's Uh-oh. what I wanted to tell you. What is it? This, this right here, uh-huh. is the 50th episode. Shut up. Of Designing Women. Oh. <laughs> that Well, so more than 50 for us. But it's the 50th episode of Designing Women we've watched, recapped, and reviewed. Really? It's a big milestone. That's huge. It's a, it's a golden nugget. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a golden something. <laughs> Whoa, I had no idea. So, that's a big milestone for you and I, but also if you're listening to this, it's potentially... Your 50th episode, too. So, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) You win 50 plus hours of your life just poof (laughs) spent with us. Thank you for hanging out with us. Yes. Wow. 50. That means that we've also logged some serious hours with each other. This is also over the course of a year plus. I thought you were going to say we've logged some serious hours watching this TV show. And I was like, "Mm, let's not think about that. Oh, that. Yeah. No, because it's like way more than that Mm -hmm. with the amount of times that we have to watch it, get to watch it, that we're blessed to Mm -hmm. watch it. So, yeah. So I I want to make Good on you for backing up and thinking about that. I don't, I think someone said in some sort of trivia or something that it was the 50th episode. I'm, I don't count. No. So, you know, my counter's off. Yeah, I know how that goes. It's also show and tell today. Oh, geez. It's a big episode. Man, there's so much going on. I've got two things to share with you. One you already knew about, so I'm not even going to try and pretend. So don't you don't have to act like you're surprised, but we haven't okay. talked about it here. Okay. Both of these items are from my dad. So first of all, um, thanks, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. We'll call you Dad. <laughs> well, I'll call you Dad. Nikki's going to call you Bill, okay? Um, let's not be weird. That would be weird. That would be real weird. Dad. <laughs> And so what we're going to do is um, share here what dear old dad got me for my birthday. Bill. I feel like <laughs> I feel like this was like super thoughtful because he does occasionally listen to the podcast. And so he went out for my birthday and really tried to find some things that um, he thought would relate to things that we're doing on the podcast. So the, That's nice. It's very nice. The first thing he did is he got us a Designing Women trivia book. What? This yeah. is brand new information. Brand new. <laughs> so this is the time you don't have to pretend. <laughs> okay. Now I see what it is. So now you can see it in real life. I mm-hmm. only shot Nikki over a picture. So she's only seen, seen it, uh, you know, not 3D. A quiz pick. Yeah. So we may or may not play this here, guys, because I'm just not, I'm going to be like just transparent here and say that I'm not sure how good of a game it would be because we've only seen two and a half Right. Of what, whatever we are. We're a little into the third season, so I just don't know just we'd be very good at episodes. this. It might just be you and I being like, I don't know. No idea. I don't know. Who's that? I don't remember from when I was three. You don't remember what your mom said about it in 1990. Right. I don't know. So, but we have it. We have it. Um, and we can, and we may, we may try and see if some of the face group designing women fan page, like. Face group. Yep. I just said that. Can we cut that? <laughs> Nope, she's going to leave it in. (laughs) the face group. I got too many things in my head right now. It's too exciting. The Facebook group. The Facebook group, um, the Designing uh, Women fan page specifically, who is amazing. And they're like, 
if anybody from that group is listening, you all are the biggest fans. I love your love for something mm. that much. Like mm-hmm. it's really, it's like inspiring. And then the way the, how cold you know the show it's is wild it is really crazy yeah. we watch every episode like three or four times and i still feel like i miss things yeah. i feel like i would be terrible at that game it'll just be like a random quote and then everybody's like ah! and everybody like knows exactly what it is and i'm like man i really need to get on my game here <laughs> so i thought maybe we could take it there and see if anybody's well, interested in fun. playing so that's thing one okay face page Whatever I said. I don't even know. Face group? Face that group. <laughs> Maybe that's what they should have called it. That's true. Maybe. I, love, I love how you take your mistake and turn it into what they should have done. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think I get that from Casey. <laughs> I told him yesterday. I said something I didn't, I had no idea, but I said it with just total, like, absolute knowledge that I knew. And then I was like, why well, I get that from privilege. you. He's just saying, hang it out. Um, so then he also sent me this, he being my dad, not Casey. This is Linda Bloodworth Thomason's book that she wrote. What? You mentioned this in your deep dive on her, actually, that she had written well, a yeah, book Yeah, of course at some I remember time. that. Absolutely you do. And so this book is called Liberating Paris. It is not Paris, France. It is Paris, Arkansas. So it is a Southern story. It was written in 2004, I believe. So what I was thinking was that maybe you and I could talk off air about whether or not we want to take turns reading this and maybe we could come here and do a special episode about it or That's something. That's a super cute idea. That's great. Um, is your dad a big eBayer? Is it from eBay? I don't know. I'm asking. Oh, I don't know. Oh. I don't know how he got it. I, I guess it's ask. only 2004. For some reason in my head, this is like an out of print book that's hard to find now oh no but he did tell me he i think he got a hold of some fan groups or something and he was like talking to people he plugged the show oh my gosh yeah so i I really feel like i need to say like a a huge huge thank you because that was such a a nice and above and beyond kind of thing to do is it weird for me to call him papa bill (laughs) it'll be the first time that's ever happened for him ever (laughs) papa bill thank you (laughs) Yeah, so just really cool and something that I thought that maybe we could come back and explore. That's cool. And have you noticed you haven't gotten any questions lately? I haven't. I know. I didn't notice. <laughs> no questions yet. Does that mean one's coming now? No. Oh, okay. We're done. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> let's get on We're to these. We're so far from done. Yeah, let's get on to these big hosses and something. We are so far from done because I have a sneaking suspicion. Selena loved this episode. It's a show dedicated to breasts. You know I loved it. I don't have any. I get excited to talk about them. So this one is called Big Hoss and Little Falsy. Mary Jo inherits $3,000 from an eccentric uncle who stipulates that she must spend it on something frivolous. So she considers getting breast implants. Air date December 12th, 1988. We're calling this one Let's Take These Babies on a Test Drive. Uh, Written by LBT and directed by Harry. Thomason, that is. Welcome back, Harry. <clears throat> welcome back, welcome back, Harry. General reactions. Very nice. Well, I really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> you already kind of <laughs> cut to the chase And we're there. done. Yep. And goodbye. Uh, the plot in this one feels perfectly suited to a 22-minute sitcom. Um, so it was just like 
also very true to Mary Jo's character and who LBT has built her to be to this point. And because we've had a lot of heavier plot lines with Mary Jo, mm. I I really enjoyed something that was upbeat and built specifically around her. Mm-hmm. So that's my first general reaction. How about you? Similar vein, I think. So boy, oh boy, is this whole episode just a big reference for Mary Jo. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so my major general reaction, I feel, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead to any th- point you were going to make later, I think we should talk about Mary Jo's reaction to the prosthetic breasts. Mm. Um, she said that she felt more aggressive, which I think is code for confidence. Um, but she said maybe she felt it a little too much. Which Mm -hmm. I found was really interesting. And I think this maybe plays into her character a little bit. Maybe it plays into something different. I don't know. I love the idea of plastic surgery as an option for people who feel a sense of um, self-consciousness about something about their body. I think it's great that option is out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I found it interesting that she sort of explored it all the way through. She has this major self-consciousness about her breasts. She explored that option all the way through and then ultimately decided it wasn't really right for her because it... Gave her too much confidence? I don't know. I just kind of wanted to put that out there and see how the storyline registered for you. And if you felt like that, the way that all played out felt realistic. I guess it depends on how you view Mary Jo and the way she was acting. Um, So first of all, let me just say, I loved it. I also think that, I think maybe this is in my notes somewhere, but I'll just go ahead and say it now because it feels very relevant to what we're talking about here. But I feel like this episode somehow was ingrained in my brain the way that Elaine from Seinfeld is ingrained in my brain. Oh, okay. Mary Jo in this episode feels very much like my personality to me. Mm, I can't explain it, but Mm -hmm. like there's something there that just feels like I'm like, oh my God, she's kind of acting like, I act this way, mm-hmm. like dramatic yeah, and just like a little too much. There's a lot of over the topness going. Definitely over the top. Mm-hmm. Like I love to exaggerate. Everything mm-hmm. that she's doing is like this huge exaggeration. Um, but I think, um, I guess it depends on like, where are we confident, mm-hmm. which is really important. I hope to get there, some, get that someday. That would be wonderful. But, mm-hmm. like, where do we, we veer from confidence to aggression? Because I do mm-hmm. think there are lines, right? Mm-hmm. Or confident to, like, cocky. Mm-hmm. Or confident to a-hole. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and so I think it depends on, um, like, one's viewing of how she was acting. And then also, this kind of gets meta because we're talking about a not real person, right? right? But if Mary Jo feels like she has cross the line somewhere mm-hmm. and it sounds like by the end she's crossed the line with her children who are the most important to her then I think that gives us our answer mm-hmm. that like she like it was one thing to feel good about herself and it's awesome to feel yourself but when you start acting a little bit like too outside of who you truly are then maybe you've gone a little off the rails does that mean she shouldn't have gotten a boob job I don't know about that. I think she still could have considered it if it's, but at the end of the day, it seemed to me that it just like, it didn't feel like her. And I love that takeaway. I really do. Again, I come back to like, I'm a total plastic I like, surgery. I pass? <laughs> I, I'm a total advocate of plastic surgery if that's what you want. I think it's great that it's an option for people because I think there are things that can hold you back. 
because you feel so self-conscious about them that they're debilitating. But I also kind of love that she explored it all the way through and decided it wasn't for her because it felt like she made a, an honest decision for herself. You know how I've talked about, and I talked about this last episode, and I feel like I talk about this on several episodes, but these um, circular plots. Mm-hmm. But even though like she, she was thinking about it, she doesn't do it, so you could argue that like she starts, she ends where she started, yeah. but not really. There was a journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. I felt that journey. That journey was there. And so I feel good about it. Okay. I also agree that it is your body and anyone should be able to do anything they want with their body. Anything, Selena? Yeah. Anything. I think. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, anything. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. What's behind that? I don't know. I'm going to go with yes, though. I'm going to go with yes. Don't tell me what to do with my body. I'm not going to tell anybody else what to do with their body. But what I will say is this, and this is really a very hard thing for me to articulate. So I want to start by saying that I was not planning to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I hope I don't offend anyone because I don't mean that. I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm nervous. What I will say is that while I think that anybody should be able to do anything that they want with their body, I do also kind of hate that people feel mm. like they're not valuable enough just being themselves. That because, because I think there's so much pressure out there. And I think while there's a lot of men, I bet you if we looked at the stats, more men than ever now are getting plastic surgery. Uh-huh. Join the party, guys. But what I but the thing is is that I just feel like so much pressure gets put on women. Mm. And to be something. So as long as you just want big breasts because you want big breasts and it's not because, or whatever this thing is that you're changing about yourself, mm-hmm. and it's not just because the world wants it, mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. But it feels like to me that sometimes it's that outside pressure. And some of it I think is conscious and a lot of it I think is subconscious. Yes. Um, but it's the world we're living in. But mm-hmm. that that's the one thing I'll say about it is just that I think everybody is beautiful in their own different way. Except for me. I hate the way I look. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but every other person oh is gorgeous. But, that, but that's where the sickness is, right? And that's why, like, confidence is important. Right. So that you can, you and I talk about this a lot. I tell you, I wish that you could see yourself the way that I see you and the way that I see other people see you. Hmm. You know, and I think, I think that's, uh, I think we all need to just learn to love ourselves a little bit. I think that's, that's probably what we need to take away from all this. Right. And get surgery, don't get it, but right. love yourself. Right. Let's all learn to do that, but not too much. I think, well, I think one thing that I liked about this storyline was that this idea that the grass really isn't always greener. Like she has this major, major, I say major because it's been brought up so many times we added it to our bingo card that she's very self-conscious about her breasts. So it's a major point for her and ultimately decided not to get breast implants because it made her feel less authentic to her true self. And I, I think that's a neat way of telling the story is sort of like she explored the grass over there. It was still kind of brown too in a different way. I'm glad that you said that because that actually leads very nicely into my second general reaction about this episode, okay. which is the undercurrent of the episode itself. Mm -hmm. And what rang true for me is this idea that uh, let's not say everyone, because anytime you say everyone or no one, it's already kind of a fallacy. Sure. But that a lot of people want what they can't have. Yeah. And so like 
petite girls want to be tall and curvy and voluptuous like a Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of taller girls or curvier girls, which I'm not necessarily putting in the same category, but like they want to be more petite or dainty. And especially when they're really young, probably because they want less attention. Yes. Because it's probably hard to have that attention like thrust onto you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I'll just go ahead and say it like I'll say for me, I've always been little and I, a lot of times I couldn't ever get past cute. Oh, you're so cute. And mm. all I wanted was to be hot. Mm. I yeah. wanted to be a red hot mama, yeah. but I was always just going to be cute. Yeah. And that was very frustrating for me mm-hmm. um, that I couldn't push through that. Nikki, um, you are very tall. Not tall. <laughs> Which I love. Okay, well, I'm 5'2", and you're how tall? Nikki, you're a giant. 5'9". <laughs> and so I just wanted to know, what was that experience like for you? Hmm. Did you ever wish that you were shorter? I don't think I've ever heard you say that you wish that you were shorter, which, by the way, I love. <laughs> I really do. You know what? Uh, so actually, I was thinking while you were talking, I was thinking about the characters, and I think it's Charlene who says to Mary Jo, like, all the time, she's that, like, build you up sort of friend and, like, how cute she is. I identify with Charlene's body type, and I look at Mary Jo, which I think is more in line with your body type, and I'm like, oh, my God, how cute is she? Look at that cute little outfit and that cute little figure. So it's funny that even in the show, it's playing out how I feel. But I wouldn't change my height necessarily. Like, I'm not saying... I wish I had been born short. I just could see benefit in being that cute and petite and little and everything fits and everything looks adorable once you have it hemmed and whatever. Um, but yeah, I've never wished to be shorter. Uh, my height's fine. Like I hit my growth spurt probably kind of early, but I've always been a like, don't look at me sort of person. Mm. So like this idea of getting breast implants terrifies me because mm-hmm. like I want to be attractive, but, like, I don't want anybody to look at me and, and, like, say she's attractive or, like, leer at me or whatever. And that, like, the things that were happening to Mary Jo in the bar made my skin crawl. Mm. The whole situation. Like, that's my worst nightmare. Right. Um, so, yes, probably when I was, like, 13 and first hit my growth spurt, I was a little uncomfortable with my height. But when I hit volleyball season, I was ready to go, you know? Like, I was glad I was that tall. And now that I'm an adult, I like being able to reach things. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice to read things. Also, right here. I can't change it. So, like, there's no point in self-loathing over that. I'd rather self-loathe over something I can change, like my nose. I could totally go get a nose job if I wanted. I'm not going to because I'm a wimp, but I could. And so now I can self-loathe over that because that's something I can fix. My height, they're not going to chop my legs off. You I know see what, I mean? what you're saying. Do yeah. you? <laughs> I do. Did I take some mental leaps that didn't really track? No, not at all. I'm just trying to process. Um, so... Yeah. If I'm going to hate something, I want to focus on something I could potentially change if I wanted. Yeah. I like to, I like to, uh, spread my focus out. Yeah. On the things I can and can't change. Oh, well, you're, you're very diverse. Looks and everything else. You're a very diverse person. (laughs) Uh, what other general reactions do you have? I have a question for you. Oh, We're just batting questions back and forth today. I wonder who you identify with in this storyline of spending $3,000 on something frivolous. Suzanne or Charlene, who immediately know how to spend it, or Mary Jo, who really kept waffling back and forth on how best to spend it. Oh my God, I would waffle until I died. Forever. I kind of thought that. I probably, it would just like wind up going in a savings account and yep. I'd be like, no, this guy's going to come back from the dead and take his money back. So I'm just going to put it in the savings account yes. and hang on to it in just case in case. wants it back. You never know. Yeah. I'm 100% with you. I can think of a dozen practical ways to spend it, like all the things that... 
we need to have dinner on the house, things the kids need. I probably, for, to your point, wouldn't spend it because I would be nervous that he would come back or somebody would come knocking on the door to take it, which I think also is an interesting psychological. Right. It was like a legal loophole. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, thinking of something like totally frivolous to spend $3,000 is a lot of money. Well, it may be more like in the range of five yeah. to six now. That's right? a lot of money. Yeah. So that was my last general observation. We also, incidentally, were having a conversation the other day about how we wish that someone that we didn't know Uh with no ties. Someone I don't love. Very estranged. Yep. Who passed away in their sleep. You know, no pain. Peacefully, sure. Right. Yeah, peaceful passing. Uh Uh-huh. Millionaire. Billionaire, maybe. Billionaire would be great. That would be wonderful. Maybe the first unknown trillionaire. Oh. Might leave us just a little little something, something. something, something. Just enough to make me feel good. Maybe to do some social media. <laughs> Maybe to get some video editing software. <laughs> whatever. Anything. Whatever. That would be frivolous, by the way. Would it though? It is my version of frivolous, uh, yeah. Nikki Mays. How dare whatever. you attack me? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> strays? Do you have strays? I do. Um, it's going to take me a second to pull it up. Well, let me start with this one. Uh, we got our first throwback to Reggie MacDawson. <laughs> our first throwback to Reggie MacDawson since season two. Right on. Episode 17. Yeah, because she's still poor. That's what she's telling us. Suzanne is she. That's right. I wanted to look back at, but now I'm hoping I'm looking at the right one. This royal that's blue dress, right that's the right one. Mm-hmm. I sh- we just need a moment for this. There is a dress that Suzanne's wearing that's a royal blue. Mm-hmm. And in the last episode, you mentioned her hair looked flat. Yes. And different. And this is like her hair. Preeminent Susan Suzanne hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm struggling all over my words. It's it's Suzanne's hair. So that was yeah. just a great look. Well, and I wonder if like every other season, they aired them or they um, recorded them in a different order. And is then that a thing them. they do? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's crazy. You know, it's so weird, though. You think they would try harder to make them look more consistent. Consistent, yeah. yeah. I feel like maybe that's something they do more now. I was going to say, I think with streaming, that's more of a concern. Yeah. Um, or just like it, like whenever like you could get a hold of them again in the way that we do now. Not even right. just with streaming, but just in any way. Yeah. I think that became a much bigger deal. Um, what other strays did you have? I loved Mary Jo's family stories when she first found out that Uncle Dude had passed and she was telling, like, the family reunion stories. Mm-hmm. I thought those were just so endearing and yeah. lovely. Well, it's funny that you say that because that's related to one of my strays. Oh, okay. And it's one of the specific things that she says. Her uncle, quote, unquote, was eccentric because he never married and brought his dog to every family reunion. Okay, so I could totally see that being eccentric then, but I think that's pretty much normal in 2022. I think that's right. You know, so Mm -hmm. isn't it funny how that passage of time, you know? It's just how it goes. Um, Other strays? Mary Jo, this is my last one. Mary Jo knew her limits. At the bar, under the influence of her breasts, she just ordered a club soda, knowing what a lightweight she is. And she brought it up again later about something she can't handle more than a cup of... um, she can't handle more of a cup of liquor or breasts or something. What a lost opportunity to say boobs or booze. Oh, dang. That should be the name of this episode. Well, there we go. <laughs> I just love a self-aware queen. Just yeah. think that's great. Yeah. That's pretty nice. Um, I This is my last stray. I also, I'm going to say one more thing about that. Yeah. You mentioned at the very beginning this idea of character development. And, and Mary Jo is just so far almost the most well-developed character in the show. 
Like, I feel like we have all these quirks of her personality that we just keep coming back to and exploiting and exploring and all the things. I just feel like I know so much about her. She's got breast issues. She can't drink. And I, I do think a lot of that is um, Annie Potts mm. also. Mm -hmm. Just being like a knockout actor. Mm -hmm. um, like, who is doing a wonderful stint right now on Young Sheldon? But like, I, I just want, I just want her to do even more. I just she's think just she's so, so great. Yeah. Um, okay. But so my, so my last stray is that I think this um, episode directly inspired one of my favorite Will and Grace episodes. Oh. Um, were you a Will and Grace fan? Yes, in reruns. Okay. Not when it was Do on you, air. You, so you have really no idea how much you've seen. No. Okay. So there's an episode. Grace is also a very unfull-chested woman. <laughs> okay. And um, she is somehow reconnected with a guy that she used to want to be with or something, and they just could never make it work. It actually turns out to be Luke from Gilmore Girls. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. So he, I guess, like maybe runs an art gallery or something. I'm okay. sure Will and Grace heads will tell me <laughs> that I'm getting all of my details wrong. But anyways, um, Will brings to her attention that his last girlfriend or something was very well endowed. Oh. And so makes her real self-conscious about her chest. And so she goes and she gets a water bra. Mm, okay. And then, and then he is very into her when they meet up at this gallery. Oh. But then what the water bra springs a leak. Oh no. And she's like doing all this stuff to like try and make sure that nothing happens. And so it's a lot of funny things at one point, like, and it reminds me a lot of this episode, how there's a lot of awkward interactions. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But, like, with Anthony coming in the door and the women are just doing something that's, like, unexpected. Right. So, like, Will's, like, holding Grace's chest, you know, trying to get the water not to spray out. And at the end, the guy turns out to be kind of a jerk. Spoiler alert, guys, for a 1998 show. Um, but the guy turns out to be a jerk. And so she goes over to, like, some of the paintings that were actually oh, no. his. And she just unleashes oh, on it. No. So my I just tell people if you haven't seen that episode please look it up it is well worth the watch oh, I'm sure funny. yeah if you don't have Hulu or Access or Peacock or something you could probably just look it up on YouTube it's well worth the watch it's funny uh things that we liked um I think you might have just alluded to this which is that undercurrent of Anthony walking in at just like all the wrong times when Suzanne announces Mary Jo wants implants, when Charlene is feeling them. Like, I just thought that timing every time was so funny. So fun. His reactions, too. Yes. The way, he, the way his face looks, the way the things he says, it was very funny. It's also really, still today, true to life. Like, I know some of it's kind of gendered because it's, oh. like, stuff going on with women. And yeah. then he's, like, a man and he walks in. But literally, over, we did, like, a Christmas thing with my friends. Mm. And my one of my friends was talking about something, like, I think, she's like, about a, either a breast enhancement or, like, getting a reduction or something. And, I mean, she's really just... First of all, she's like that friend. I love her to death. We've been friends for like over 20 years, but you will definitely see her naked the first time you ever meet her. Like she is, you're like, I think we're never nudes. She's the always nude, you know? Okay. 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 So like, you're definitely going to see a nipple at some point is all I'm saying. Oh no. It's like my worst so, nightmare. And so 
he walks in and she's just right in the middle of this very detailed story. And he very much so Anthony's it. His <laughs> jaw drops down to his toes. And then he just sort of very robotically does a quarter turn well, and heads out the door. That's my cue to leave. And it happens about three times. Every time he comes back in, she's like, something about my tits. And he's like, okay, time to go. And it was just funny because it was like, experiencing that this episode in real life that's hilarious um i also mentioned earlier one of the things i really liked about this episode was how they explored that part of mary joe's quote-unquote personality because she's not a real person but her character sure they should they explored that a little bit more it's clearly been like a massive insecurity for her since season one i think that's when we got our first preference mm-hmm. and so i just like the consistency and character development yeah it's nice I like the interplay between Mary Jo and Julia on this one. Okay. Okay, because Mary Jo drafts Julia into her small chess club unwillingly. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. And she she's not meaning to, but she's definitely, like, slamming Julia so unintentionally awful. the whole time. But it's really funny. She also asks her to fill the first pair she comes in to try out and um, then drags her to the bar for a test run. Um, and then like, not to mention she invites her in the first place because she is smaller chested than Suzanne and Charlene. Like the whole thing to me was delightful, <laughs> especially with Julia. Cause Julia's cocky. Yeah. Julia doesn't have any self-esteem issues. Yeah. So she I, was very annoyed though at that whole thing. She was, she was irked. And then, so well, what else did you like? That those were my likes. Okay. Buckle in. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the writing on this one. <laughs> Sorry, I had to buckle in. You brought like a Six Flags ride. Yes. Like you're in. I'm in. I feel like I'm going on a wild ride. So the writing in this one is just exceptional. Um, For me, it was anyway. I liked a lot of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. Suzanne's comment about training bras. You little people have to train yours and you call us dumb. (laughs) That was so witty. Okay. And I loved it coming from her. Well, then, so we get Mary Jo's bank teller story. Um, she comes in and she's like, people treat you completely differently. Even women like this morning at the bank, there's this woman teller in there. Who's usually very rude. Well, I just walked right in there and plopped him right up on the counter (laughs) and it intimidated the heck out of her. She had a whole new look of respect on her face. (laughs) I love that. Then when she gets her, you alluded to this earlier, but to me, I, this was just golden. So I want to say not just that she was talking about borderline aggressive, but specifically what she says. She says, I think these things are supposed to make you feel more feminine, but they make me feel aggressive. (laughs) Uh, You know, kind of macho like, I tell you, if I go up to a D cup, I think I could get in fist fight. (laughs) And I just, every time I watch it, she delivers that so perfectly i i can't believe it it's so good then we get some great lines in the bar scene julia's low-key not so low-key annoyance with mary joe and her comments to the bartender because nobody does hottie quite like julia so the bartender asks, just the two of you julia says no actually there are four but we're the only two that will be ordering drinks (laughs) i think (laughs) and i thought that was 
also phenomenal. And then even the guy's reaction after Mary Jo's awkward line of questioning was really funny. We'll get to it in cut lines, but that whole part of the scene didn't make any sense to me for the most part. Oh, really? Without the cut lines? mm -hmm. Okay. So I did look for the cut lines on that one. I couldn't Uh help myself. Obviously, I'm going to let you take that part. But (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. It's such a gift, right? Um, You know, you're very perceptive. Yes, that's what we were after, all right. Now that you're on to us, we may as well move along before all the big girls with big ones are gone. <laughs> Actually, I think he just says all the girls with big ones, but I just, you know how much I would love to hear somebody say that? <laughs> Charlene calling her the tit monster. <laughs> that's a word. Like, that surprises me that was on TV. Yeah, I know. And then I thought it was like, it even played into like, I could see Julia being like, I hate that word. Yeah. And I kind of hate that word. Yeah. But I can't help it. It's still, it, I, I hate it, and yet it makes me laugh. Right. And so I'm going to say it. Um, but, like, even, like, this aspect of her hiding from Mary Jo, like, oh. when she comes in the door, she's kind of crouched behind it. And then she said, like, she's trying to make sense of it, and she says, maybe she was frightened by a breast as a child. <laughs> <laughs> And then my last like, un, like uh, separated from the dialogue itself, is I actually thought just the ending was handled nicely. Um, she decides they're not for her. Handled nice. <laughs> handled. Um, but, um, but she does understand why it makes sense for some people. So I like the fact that we're not poo-pooing, no matter right. what side of the line you fall on. And then she bought all the girls and their family TV telephones. That's true. She did. The world's first FaceTime. That was nice. Face group. Face group. Face group, I hear it's called. What did you not like? I feel like my list of likes should have been so much longer because I don't have anything I didn't like in the episode. Except that weird bar interaction. But it was mostly because I just didn't understand it. Mm, okay. So I don't know that that really counts. Okay. Well, I liked I everything mean, else. If you were having a hard time understanding it, I think that's a problem. That's what I think. <laughs> um, because I think something was missing then. Uh, for me, I think... I, I don't know what I was thinking one month ago when I watched this, but it says here, not anything that isn't just nitpicky. Oh, oh, good. So who knows? What were the nitpicks? Oh, I know what it was because I rewatched it this morning. I feel like even though some of it was funny, the whole setup for how we get to Mary Jo learning about the money Mm. was very long. Like... Uh, first Suzanne, the whole like runner was Suzanne stealing mail. She's checking everybody's mail. First we get the Cosmo gone. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Like, we, j- I know that jokes need threes, but it just felt like, uh, if from a rewatchable standpoint, like I, it just, it feels like very long every time I have to rewatch it. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, the part that bugged me, like, tiniest little bit about that was just how surprised everyone acted every time. Mm-hmm. They didn't immediately go to, check Suzanne, she's it a was hard male to klepto. Buy it. Yeah. Or, like, suddenly she's a male klepto. But she's so funny, sort of, like, in the background reading these things. Again, it's yes. Delta Burke's, like, body language and the way she's doing it. She's yes. almost like this, like... Almost like this piece of furniture on the set who becomes relevant when they become relevant, but they've been there that whole time, and you just don't even realize that it's as funny as it is. I also feel like if I'm going to nitpick, because um, I'm already here and I'm doing it, why this only occurred to me on the... I only watched this one three times, but on the third time I watched it, um, it occurred to me that why wouldn't that have just gone to Mary Jo's home mail? 
why would that go to her business office? Like, if a relative of mine died, they don't know my Employer. business address, but they do know my home address. Those were Yellow Pages days. Maybe things were different. I guess. I don't know. For a setup, so Suzanne could get some jokes. Uh-huh. Okay. Hilarious. All right. Well, uh, you want to rate this sucker? I do. All right. What you got? Uh, my rating scale is spins of the old genetic wheel. Mm. What's yours? That that guy. Um, mine is ringtail tutors. Oh, okay. I had to I take do it. Like that one, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna stick with spins of the old genetic wheel because I'm gonna talk about ringtail tutors in a minute. Five okay. out of five. All right. I really, I'm with you. I really liked this episode. I think I mentioned earlier, I thought it was a creative way. And you just mentioned this of exploring the plastic surgery debate. They don't villainize one side. They don't talk about like women who do want breast implants are this sort of woman or women who don't are this sort of woman. It's just more like, well, turns out it's not for me, but have at it if you want, which is sort of my take on plastic surgery. Right. So I liked it. And your take on everything. Everything, really. (laughs) Pretty much. You do you. You do you. I also, uh, I gave it a five out of five. And did you give it a five out of five? I did. Okay. My sick hit one of recording today. That's good. Woo. Mm -hmm. Season three. It's off to a bang. What I really like is how in the span of 18 seconds, I forgot. (laughs) I was like, sure. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Anyways. So five out of five ringtail tutors. Great writing. Great deliveries from everyone. Truly funny. Not just like, I bet you this was funny in 1987. Um, And everything felt well-connected, gelled. The runner with Anthony was not only good, but it was nicely peppered throughout. Mm -mm. And then I like the fact, again, that we also had the arc of the TV telephone getting brought back in. Mm -hmm. Like, we laid that groundwork in the beginning. We wrapped that up nicely. LBT did a nice job with the space and the scope of the episode. And it just felt right. And it was enjoyable. For me, this is just about a perfect episode of television. Yeah, it's really good. Agreed. So, who butted our biscuits? I think this one was just kind of a major victory all the way around. They all got those free frame telephones. Just everyone. Mm-hmm. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. You can't beat, uh, uh, well, we'll talk about the picture telephones <laughs> that are so amazing. <laughs> That's so funny. We see eye to eye on that. I Well, actually, so who I said was specifically the extended family who got them. Oh, right, yeah. Because they're not in this episode at all. They didn't have to do anything. No. Just showed up at their house. And they just received Or their place this, of business. Right. And that was a nice gift for them, I think. I think that yeah. was probably a very big deal. Yeah. Um, who served us lumpy gravy? Just all the men in the bar. Just <laughs> all of them. They left lonely. They didn't get Mary Jo. They didn't get Julia. Yeah. They got nothing. Yeah. Unless some women with some big ones came in later. <laughs> I hope that for them. <laughs> I'm tied between Julia, who just had a rough go at the hands of aggro breast grace Mary Joe in this one, or the boobs. Oh. The boobs lost out on Mary Joe. Oh, that's true. They did. There's a lot of losers in this one. Poor boobs. Lots of winners and losers. And you know what I like about that? Balance. That's true. That's not what I thought you were doing. She's doing hand gestures to show balance. It looked like something different. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> 80s things. Getting magazines in the mail. And on that note, Julia's letter from pain that yeah. Suzanne was reading. What? Why? 
Why what? Wasn't that even dated for then? Writing a letter? Pain? Couldn't he just call her? I guess, I don't know. Julia seems like the mom that would require a letter. Like, you will call me every Sunday night? I'm going to be honest with you. If my mom a requires letter. a letter, I'm going to be like, well, mom, keep requiring. That's we'll not true. We'll see what happens. That's not true. That's true. Right now, she has us doing a mom and daughter book. Book? <laughs> not that kind of book. It's like literally like where for posterity, where it's like these, we try and guess each other's favorite things. Oh, that sounds lovely. And then you lovely. switch it. You'd be writing your mom a weekly letter if she asked. I mean, I would aim. I don't. I don't think. I. I don't think it would come to fruition, though. I'm busy. Mm. <laughs> Pain wasn't. Nope. That's right. Oh, right. We're on eighty things. Excuse me. <laughs> Suzanne telling Mary Jo she thought she'd heard Uncle Dude's life story on a record. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then just this whole idea of TV telephones with freeze frame photos on them. Yes. This that whole thing was wild to me. Yes. I. I. I was like, what are they talking about? I googled it. It's a thing. Oh, so you didn't, you had never heard of it before? No. Okay. You had? Yeah. I'd never heard of this. The, what I found was a well, Sony device. Well, I'm three device. months older than you. Oh, God, that's so true. So you know, it's a generational just... divide. So do you know that it was called a face? To, so what was your face-to-face Sony device like? That well, I didn't for have one. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have one. I just heard of them. Like, I knew that this was a thing. But, like, then I did get interested to go kind of see like how long they've actually been around Mm -hmm. and like when the first instances took place did is this the way your research took you probably not as far as yours did i found a youtube video about it which i can link in the show notes but that's as far as i wanted to know how expensive they were 499 dollars it's like way 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 less than an iphone Um, that's true iphones also actually do stuff that's true, but I'm also still really bitter about how much you pay for an iPhone. I just don't have a choice. Well, can I ask you a question? Since yeah. I want to, I want to pop quiz you real quickly. Okay. Do you want to take a guess at the very first time that we actually had a video chat ever? Ever. Yeah. I uh, see that it depends. This doesn't. This doesn't sound like video chat to me. This is a still photo you sent to somebody. Just play with it, Nikki. Okay, uh, well, don't play with it. That the, sounds weird. Just go with it. The reason I'm saying that is because I'm going to guess later than this episode, but that's why, because the caveat is. So my guess was going to be like 91. For the first chat. Video chat. Mm-hmm. It was 1927. Shut up. So um, it's a between Herbert Hoover in D.C. with a call to New York City. And then that was followed by the picture phone that comes at the World's Fair in New York City in 1964 with a call to Disneyland. Hmm. So, it's a long time. But, like, also the stuff with Herbert Hoover, that leads me to believe it's probably military stuff, right? Yeah, maybe. And they always have stuff way before the rest of us plebes do. Oh, that's a good point. I'm like, why did it take us so long to get FaceTime? Uh, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, probably because, like, before the technology was actually good, it was so expensive and for nothing, really. Yeah. You know? Um, my One of my 80s things, I think you've covered the rest of mine, this idea of breast augmentation being a big deal. Hmm. Like, if, like, we have a whole episode built around it, you know? I don't know that we get an episode of anything. It's so hard to think of, like, 
uh, sitcoms are so niche now that I'm having trouble. Like, let's just say use New Girl, even though New Girl's gone. I don't know we get a whole episode. Will Jess? Won't she? You mm. know? Mm-hmm. But, um, and so to me, that feels like almost like a dated concept. Um, but I do remember growing up and someone having implants was not nearly as common as it is today. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, it was a really big deal, and it was almost, like, kind of whispered about, mm. um, which is rude, <laughs> and people suck. Um, but that really started to change in the 90s, definitely in the early aughts, and especially around the time that things like, I don't know, like, Botox and stuff took off. Mm-hmm. And, like, people are just doing more of these things. It's Like, there's Botox parties. There's mm. just, I don't know, there's just a lot more freedom and openness, I think, about My things. dentist offers Botox now. Oh. We, they well, keep trying to sell me on it. I'm not sure what to make of that. That's okay. They're always trying to tell sell me on teeth whitening, and every time they do... I tell them, that's okay. The modeling years are behind me. <laughs> I miss that boat. Can you just make sure I don't get cavities? just want to keep my teeth. That's I just need them in my head. Right. As opposed to all of my stress dreams where all the teeth fall out. Oh, no. The last one I had was a flight attendant being called a stewardess. I think that happens one other time, but we also get a Pan Am reference to boot. So it just all feels very 80s. And then uh, how about some Southern things? Mary Jo's family names, Dude and Ione, <laughs> Uncle Dude saying ring-tailed tutor, mm-hmm. which incidentally is someone or something outstanding in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh Suzanne mentioned the Miss Georgia pageant when she gave Mary Jo the plastic surgeon's name. Oh, uh-huh. On that note, the doctor's name is Dr. Hogue. Hogue is a name I have never heard before in my life mm-hmm. until I saw the movie Doc Hollywood. Have you seen the movie Doc Hollywood? I have not. I know you're talking about that with Michael J. Fox. So I, I actually think this would be an excellent end of season because it takes place in South Carolina. Okay. It's a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon who finds himself stranded in a small town in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Hilarity ensues. Okay. Uh, but the doctor's name was Doc Hollywood. And I just think it's weird. That movie came out in 91. This was in 1988. I've never heard the name Hogue before. Yeah, that's and interesting. And both of these doctors are named Hogue. Yeah. So. Well, I love Michael J. Fox. Wow. And you could sign that one. You could sign me up for that one. I think Doc Holly. I think you would enjoy watching it. It's a very cute movie. I would watch it again. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a million times. This is also one of those things like where I wonder if I'd watch it and then be like, oh crap, I have seen this. Probably. But I'm still like happy and willing to do it just because... I love Michael J. Fox. He's so, so delightful. He and really he's is. really good in this movie. All right. So anyway, that was my last uh, Southern thing. Okay. Um, the only other thing I had was Julia's prickly adjacent politeness with Mary Jo when she asked her to fill her prosthetic bra. Um, it Just the way she did it is so Southern. Like, it's not... An, like... She would never be like, hell no. Oh, I mean, I would. Right. Um, but, but I'm a bad Southerner. But she's like, uh, maybe some other time. And <laughs> no, thank you. Like, it's just still like, it was like annoyed, but polite. Right. And that feels very Southern. That's a good point. What about references we need to talk about? Just the whole title of the episode. It okay. was a play on a, uh, it seems to me to be a play on the movie Little Foss and Big Halsey. Uh-huh. Did you watch the video for it? No. It looks like a real winner. Oh, okay. So it's a 1970 American comedy drama film directed by Sidney J. Fury. Robert Redford was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also featured Lauren Hutton. Who has been a reference on here before. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I don't Charlene remember. references her. She references specifically. The teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it sounded to me like the movie had nothing to do with dirt bikes. I mean, it had to do with dirt bikes. Nothing to do with <laughs> breast implants. <laughs> One of those two. <laughs> had nothing to do with anything. Uh, it had to do with dirt bikes and not breast implants. So all I can figure is the title play stuck on with LBT for the play on words. I think, yeah. I just, but I was also like, so I watched like, um, I thought previews were bad today about giving away the plots. Where, like, basically sometimes Casey and I'll turn off a preview because yeah. we're like, what? We don't even need to see the movie. Right. Um, thanks for capturing everything for us there. It, this was, like, a two and a half, maybe almost three-minute preview. Oh, no. And by the end, I was just like, what is happening here? <laughs> and I have to tell you, I had no... I like Robert Redford. I have no want to see that. It looks just, like, not... No offense, to the makers of this movie or the people who starred in it, but it just, let's blame the preview. Maybe it's a lovely movie, but it just seemed really weird, kind of. 70s were a weird time. But also the only other thing I wanted to say is like, this does feel like one of those references that felt even obscure for them. Yeah. I think I read that Robert Redford doesn't even like to associate himself with this movie. Oh, no. I think I read that. This is like right when he's supposed to be blowing up. He takes this movie thinking that it's going to be like... Maybe the thing, like some kind oh. of like prestige film for him. And I, I think it doesn't do well. I think. I'm so sorry if I'm getting that wrong. I read this like a month ago. so I definitely had the sense that this was going to be a reference I was going to look into. And I was like, oh, okay. That right. makes sense. Like it feels so specific and such a big thing to name your entire episode after. I thought everybody was getting it but me. And the way that he says it also, or like, excuse me, exactly what Anthony says. Mm-hmm. I almost expected to find a um, a cowboy movie. Yes. Like a Western. I agree. Uh-huh. So I was like, dirt bikes? Yeah. What? I was very confused. Yeah. So I don't so know. So everything I said about it, I'm kind of saying with an uplift in my voice because I'm questioning my own research because I'm like, this sounds so irrelevant, but it's what I found. Well, if you want to go get a good preview... No thanks. Three minutes of your life, gone or bettered. You be the judge. Gone with the dirt bike. I had only one more. Okay. Gorbachev gets a mention, as in Mikhail Gorbachev, former Soviet president. There's a little history for you guys. And that's it. What'd you find on cut lines? Like I said, there was a pretty significant cut line when the ladies were talking to Bill and Paul at the bar. Um, Not Bill, my dad. Oh, not Papa Bill. Um, after they said it was the lady's senses of humor that attracted them to them, this exchange happened. I guess it's Mary Jo says, really, we're doing a little field research for a class we're taking. College girls, I could tell right off. Seriously, it's a course on sociology that we're auditing about male-female interaction. And what I'd like to know is when you saw us across the room, what was the first thing that attracted you? Hey, I don't know. We're attracted because you're attractive. I know that, but more specifically, what part of us? I don't think we want to pursue this, do you? That's Julia. Excuse us one second. Listen here. If I'm going to spend $3,000, I'm going to get some honest answers here. Guys, I'm sorry. I'd like to be candid if I may. We both see someone, so we're not available. And then it goes on to the text. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm sharing this because I thought it was helpful transition text to move them between the sense of humor comment to the direct, was it my boobs ask. Yes. Like, it just felt like something was missing. So I will tell you that when I saw it and I didn't know about the cut line, it didn't seem awkward to me. Like, I followed it and I was fine with it. But when I saw the cut line and then I watched it again, I could tell there was a cut. Yeah. It was 
I, I thought it was smooth enough. Yeah. Like, I didn't like, I wasn't like, ooh, that was rough. But I could just tell that we had lost a chunk there. Maybe yeah. even from like the positioning of the bodies. Maybe that was, something was reading off to me. I just got the feeling something was missing. I felt like I was missing something. It was just a very pointed, like even though LBT is oftentimes very um, smart with the way that she doles out dialogue, like she uses it very smartly and is concise when she needs to be, mm-hmm. that felt almost too concise. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm, I don't know that she would jump right in and say, was it my boobs? Like something was missing. Yeah. So I don't Yeah. And I just like, we talked about this before. At least I think we have. But, like, can you imagine you write this and then someone just alters your words when you put the time into it? would drive me crazy. I, that that must be really hard. But then maybe she gets those royalty checks and she feels better. Feels a little bit better, huh? I would feel better. Yeah. So next episode? Next episode. Episode six, Hard Hats and Lovers. We <laughs> love... We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV, Sweet Tea TV Pod at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. And our website is www.sweetteatv.com. And I'm not always great about doing this, but just a reminder to folks if they want to leave us a rating or review wherever they're listening to us, that would be excellent. That would help us. Hang tight for extra sugar. I, this is a big moment for Selena. This is an extra sugar you've been talking about since probably season one, since yeah. our very first reference. Yeah, we're talking braziers. Braziers, what a big moment. It's big. Well, hang tight. She's got some bra stuff for us. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you around the bend. Bye. Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. Nikki. What? I mean, well, we just said it. <laughs> but it's been a long time coming. But episode five finally opened the door I've been waiting for. The door to bras. I'm so happy for you. This has been a, this has been a lot of buildup for you. And I think I want to be very clear. I'm not excited because I love them. <laughs> Nobody does. They're the worst. (laughs) But I've just had the sneaking suspicion that they're fascinating ever since season one, which you alluded to. And when we talked about it, we actually talked about Howard Hughes using engineering to invent the, keep me honest here. Uh Uh-oh. Cantilever bra? Yes. Okay. I think last time it got unwieldy. It doesn't matter. That's fine. Yeah. I'm like, the cantaloupe bra. Well, that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> Over the shoulder boulder hole. <laughs> right. Um, and speaking of that, are you ready to talk about the one, the only, the over the shoulder boulder holder? I am for you. That was a beautiful southern accent, wasn't it? Something. I don't know what that was. It sounded like 30s 40s? Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. All right. So any guesses about how long the bra's been around? Too There's long. probably no wrong or right answers. Since the dawn of mankind. Since Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> that, that Eve. <laughs> Let's slut shame a little, shall we? <laughs> I don't even know why it's slut shaming, but let's do it. I'm sure we can figure out a way how. Um, so, but probably, Pro- I, probably, honestly, probably okay. forever. But, well, since humans started wearing clothes, there, I'm sure, was a way. Right, but we're not going to start there. Okay, good. Okay, we're going to fast forward. Um, most sources. 1776. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do that to you. Most sources seem to agree that the modern bra, at least as we know it, with straps and cups, was invented over 100 years ago. That's all? Yeah, so not as long as you think, right? Okay. Again, with straps. With straps. And, and okay. Was, there so, was someone putting a rock over a nipple at some point? Maybe. Well, I was I thinking of the Victorian era. And, and you're like, thinking of corsets. Corsets, okay. yeah. But that's not the bra as we think of it. Right. That's a different a torture device. Thing. Sure. Okay. okay. We'll okay. talk about it a little bit. It'll come into play. Good. All part of the sauce. The bra sauce. Bra sauce. Ew. Ew. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And scene. So... First, let's give proper credit to the French inventor, and I'm so glad that our French expert is here because I'm going to murder the pronunciation here. But this is um, Hermione Cadol is her name, and she presented her... her <laughs> Slut <chain. laughs> She presented her corselet gorge, or corset divided in two. Does that sound right? Corselet gorge? Sure. I want to say gorget, but I'm pretty sure when I looked up... I think up, gorge is probably gorge, right. Gorge, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's a corset divided in two. That makes sense. At a Paris fashion exhibition in 1889. So it was a lady that did this to us? It's a... Well, hold on. See, okay. Oh, we're going to get okay, there. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. We're going to get there, including your commentary there. Because I think that's really... No, it's okay. You I didn't comment. buckle up well enough. No, no, no. Your comment is good because it's going to come into play about... Whether or not it really is a torture device or whether it's something else, okay? Okay. But for our purposes anyway, we're not going to talk about her many. We're going to talk about the U.S. inventor, Mary Phelps, a.k.a. Polly Peabody, (laughs) a.k.a. Caress Crosby, more on that later, who received the first U.S. patent on November 3rd, 1914. Okay. 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 So why did she make it? So you don't have to answer. She hates women. Well, <laughs> well, naturally. Uh, but same old reason as always. Necessity. The socialite didn't like the way her corset looked under her dress. So at only 19 years old, she and her maid constructed the first bra with two handkerchiefs and some ribbon. Whoa. No. <laughs> oh my. You got to use what you have. You know what I'm saying? Not only did it make for a sleeker looking silhouette, it also made her freer to dance and move around, unlike the confines of a corset. So, okay, okay. Okay, so you see where I'm headed here. So she, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she starts a business, but bad news bears. Her husband made her give it up before she could do much with it. Gosh darn it. She sold it for about $1,500 to a company who goes on to make $15 million off of it over the next 30 years. So that might have been a little annoying. <clears throat> that might have been a little annoying. Mildly frustrating. Mm. But it actually sounds like it's World War I that puts the final nail in the corset coffin, making the bra the go-to undergarment. Apparently, you know what, I'm guys, it's either World War One or World War Two. I wanna say this is World War Two, maybe. So don't one of the World Wars. Don't worry about that part. But anyways, so what happens is to support the war effort, American women were asked to stop buying corsets, which were full of metal. Interestingly, the move freed up twenty eight thousand pounds of steel. Holy moly. Yeah. Enough to build Two battleships in Ma'am, 
there's a joke in there somewhere. You know what? I would have been so dramatic about it just so that everybody knew what I was giving up, the sacrifice I was making for my country. And every night when I went home and didn't have to take a corset off, I'd be like, (laughs) they think I'm doing a great sacrifice for my nation, but I'm so happy there's no corset on this body. Yeah, I can't even imagine. But I mean, actually, I have worn a corset and they suck. Um, But this must be World War I. I'm really sorry. I just, I got confused over what war we were in and what technology there was and maybe if I just left off a one when I wrote my notes it's not important I just want to give y'all some behind the scenes into my brain and be glad that you don't live there so there was one big component missing still from the bra of this era any guesses what that might be one component so we have straps we have cups fastener that's a great guess Uh, it's wrong underwire uh, nope, also wrong. Cup sizes. Fine. Fine. That seems important, no? So I think that was actually one of her big sells when she like got the first patent. Is she was like, and it doesn't matter what size you are, one size fits all. But anyway, there's one thing about life that women know: one size bra does not does fit all. Does not fit all, right? So cup sizes come in, and these came in around, uh, or these came around in the late 20s and early 30s. Which helps me realize <laughs> that we're talking about World War One. That was very helpful for me. Ooh, you're getting to see me learn things here on the fly today. And that is a really interesting extra sugar. How nice. Bras have changed a lot over the years. That's the other thing that we need to talk They're about. They're no longer pointy. They're, that's true. They're no longer pointy. Unless you want it that way. Well, sure. Madonna okay. did. That's right. Unless you're going on tour. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the more interesting or enduring ones. Okay. The first one I want to talk about is actually the training bra, which gets the really specific mention in this episode. Mm -hmm. Specifically, Heaven's Littlest Angels gets a mention from Mary Jo. So training bras emerged in the 1950s as a sort of pre-bra, if you will, um, for that brief moment when you need a little something, but not quite a full-fledged bra. That's my definition. I don't know what the official definition is. But anyways, they first came about in the 1950s when doctors claimed that teen girls needed to wear a bra to prevent sagging breasts. I just want to say that that feels like a very weird concern for a doctor. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Thanks, doc. Anyways, so also, but it was to prevent poor circulation. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. And stretched blood vessels. Oh, that sounds painful. Here's one thing I want to mention. This could just be me. But if you can fit into a training bra, are blood vessels being stretched a concern? Mm. I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but I have had breasts for a while. Little. <laughs> training bra size. All right. So these seem more like a moneymaker maybe than anything else. If Perfect. I'm, if I'm honest, for, to me, that's my reading. Um, but perhaps I'm missing something. So I barely remember wearing one. Did you ever wear a training bra? While you're talking, I'm trying to remember, and I don't think so. I think I wore one for like two days or something. Something really weird. It was a very short period of I time. I don't remember. So what I did read, though, uh, is they basically don't offer any support. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has been a concern about over the years about the fact that they're kind of sexualizing girls a little too early on. 
I mean, is it ever a good time to sexualize girls, <laughs> as I think in the moment? Anyways, so this sounded a bit dramatic to me until I read about Target stocking a range of bras for three to four-year-olds in 2006, as well as lightly padded ones for eight to ten-year-olds. Yeah, that's probably perplexing at best. What do you think? Let's ask the resident mom. That's weird. Okay. That's weird. I'm trying to process. Like, I do think there's a time when you're maybe like 10 to 12, so prepubescent, where you're becoming aware of your body. Maybe you're getting like little little somethings there Mm -hmm. and you want to wear a cute shirt but you can see a little something and you just feel like you need a little like i'm 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 modest so i would want the modesty yeah um and i could see that's not about sexualization that's just about recognizing your body but then they're going and patting them that's weird yeah that gets weird yeah so i so i did this is not supposed to be serious we're talking about bras, but I just had bras to share are serious that. business. <laughs> They're a big when money. you wear seriously when you wear them like half your. I wear a bra every single day. Mm-hmm. Most of the time these days, it's a sports bra for most of the day. Mm-hmm. But I wear a bra every day. I wear a bra when I sleep, which is like not popular opinion. That is serious. It, I'm very serious about my bras. So. <laughs> But I actually was wondering while you were talking about training bras if they've sort of been replaced by the sports bra. Well. It's funny that you say that because the next one on my list is a sports bra. Okay. I can't answer that question, but here's some things I can tell you. Thank you. (laughs) So I will tell you that for me, I've largely been replaced by a sports bra. That's mainly what I wear today. Um, But uh, this is my, and it is my favorite next to the other type of favorite bra, which is no bra. Um, But they first came along in 1977. Late to you? Does that sound late? Or right. That sounds about right to me. That sounded about right to me. But any guesses what the first prototype was made of? Hmm. Rubber. Well, there, well I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know where to go with that. Polyester. But, well, for that Silk. flex. But uh, two disassembled. Metal. You're going to keep going? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to stop you if you're on a roll. Go ahead. Coffee filters. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> How percolating. Two disassembled jock straps sewn together. That's what I was going to say next. I figured it was. <laughs> Doesn't that uh, sound right? Give women men's cast-offs. Well, it was actually women who invented it. They were probably used. Oh, well, one can dream, <laughs> you know? That seems uncomfortable. Uh, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I think it was smart. Okay. Because support, support. Good point. Good point. You're bringing sporty. me along. Sporty. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So uh, the next one on our list is going to be the Wunderbra or the push-up bra, which I mostly associate with the 1990s. Mm-hmm. However, it was first developed in this country in the 60s. Any guess? Any guess what? What country? Oh. Oh. <laughs> you know, you said this country. Yep. And I was like, so when was it developed in the other country? Okay. Uh, Germany. Oh, then why'd you call it the Wunderbra? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to throw you. Um, their popularity persists to this day, and its claim to fame was giving the wearer better cleavage. Mm-hmm. So there you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have owned, I never owned like a Wunderbra, because I think that was like a brand name, mm-hmm. but I've certainly owned a push-up bra. I think I currently have a Wunderbra. I'm sure I have at least 10 in here. I think they sell them at Target now. 
Or, I don't know if it's always been that way, but yeah, that's probably where I got I'm it. Sh- they definitely do because it's just a push-up bra. Right. So anything that pushes those babies up, I guess. All right. How about this one? Victoria's Secret's fantasy bras. Not that either one of us. Well, if you've had one, let me know. Cause <laughs> I don't think that's so. amazing. Um, Claudia Schiffer sported the first one in 1996. It was made of 2,000 plus that's diamonds. Right. And it cost $1 million. That jumped to $15 million in 2006 when Giselle donned the red hot fantasy bra. And the Susan Rosen, and excuse me, and then Susan Rosen designed a $20 million bra after that. So, Holy crap. Uh-huh. Yeah. Expensive jewel cover bras are a thing. Uncomfortable. Seems very uncomfortable and heavy. Yeah. I mean, so the 20,000, I think those are more like the um, Swarovski kind mm. of situation. But still, that's like a, I don't know, it's just like a lot. Did I say 22,000? Whatever. It's a lot. Um, for me, this feels like those mills that feature gold flecks. Oh, uh-huh. And stuff like that. So for me, this is like one of those moments where I'm just really not proud to be a human. <laughs> where I'm like, we have so little to do. That were like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Bedazzle put, a bra. Yeah. With so, like, cause I'm like, can we, but can we then sell it and then like feed some people who are homeless? That would be nice. Okay. So anyways, but also like awesome. Um, the next one up, mention this at the top of the episode, the water bra. Right. So this is my time capsule. Did oh. you ever have a water bra? No. Oh. That sounds dangerous. This was one that me and all of my like chested friends headed to the mall for. Really? Oh, yeah. Back in the early aughts. So it sounds like they debuted in the late 90s, but became really trendy right at that time that I was looking to be, but never was, really busty. Uh, Apparently, you can still get them, which I had no idea. Uh, But I thought this was interesting. It's not really just water. I was sitting here thinking, that sounds moldy. Is it gel? It's water and oil. So, but from what I read, what I read, they've improved a lot over the years. And apparently in 2005, I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but, um, Avion briefly released their own water bra. What? So it was supposed to be cooling. I want to say for the record, that's fair. If you have them, (laughs) you know, sometimes they need some cooling, even the little ones. We all deserve that. I don't care what size they're, they are. They're two sandbags hanging on your skin sometimes. If, yeah. I get it. They get warm. But the product was a massive failure. No. So, sorry, Avion. You tried. Uh, memory foam? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds hot. Have one. Okay. I've never had a memory foam bra. It sounds hot. So, well, so this comes along in the 2010s. And along with the inundation of leggings, we are entering the modern era of comfort. (laughs) Um, This decade also brings the reemergence of the bralette. This is Mm -hmm. a softer version of the bra with no clasps and no underwire, which are designed... And no support. Uh, So clasps and underwire, to me, are decidedly uh, both tools of Satan. Just going to throw that out there. I would argue today that you can have the pick of the litter of bras, but I would, I want to add something. So I use bralettes and I think they do have support. Mm. I cannot, I cannot wear a bralette. Oh, but you know what? It might be a size thing. (laughs) I'm like, I'm I'm an A. They're perfect. I really, I have not met a bralette that works for me. Really? I've tried, and I've tried them. I do have one that I'll wear occasionally and I'm super uncomfortable the whole time I'm wearing it. Oh. 
See, I think they're pretty comfortable. Now, I will, I do notice that it's not as much support, yeah. but the band is like pretty okay. And Maybe they, you've landed on a good brand. Um, Something I found at Marshall's. Mm. So, and normally I'm not, that's a hit or miss situation. Okay? Yeah. But these that I got were pretty good. good. They were some, part of some Maryland collection. Good for you. <laughs> I'm really living my best life. Uh, so... It boils down to this. There's never been more types of bras, more companies actually catering to women's needs and ensuring the darn thing fits in the first place. Mm. Because a staggering 80% of people who wear bras are usually in the wrong size. What I'm trying to say is this. If you're into bras, you can have whatever you like. <laughs> but it will be for a price, okay? Because <laughs> some of them are pretty darn expensive. If you know, you know. Also, I'd be remiss not to mention, a bra is not a requirement. If you want to free the nipple, then free the nipple. That's up to you. But we need to talk about Caress Crosby. We just got to do it. This is Mary Phelps, the inventor of the bra, but I like Caress Crosby. I think that's a nice bra name. <laughs> okay. But before we do, is there any big bra, that, big bra, just any bra you felt like I'm a glaring uh, error that I'm missing. I was curious about the strapless bra. Oh, great. Another and, torture device. Uh -huh. Yes. Strapless bras are the worst. It's my least favorite. My other question was, I have something that I wear often that is sort of a cross between a sports bra and a bralette. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that intersection exists mm -hmm. or am I just wearing like a non-sporty sports bra? So you're talking about it has clasps? It does not. Oh. It's totally claspless. Okay. There's no underwire. Um, there's no... But they're just cute. They're not... It's not cute. It's not cute. It's not cute. It's kind of like a um, like a nursing bra. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. Mm -hmm. It's, again, like a cross between mm -hmm. a regular bra. But this has no clasp to like pop down so you can pop in the thing. It's just like a... It's honestly my PJ bra. And I don't know how else to describe it. And I don't know if maybe what I'm actually describing is in fact a bralette. And I'm only comfortable wearing it in my home. I, I'm i not sure, honestly, without seeing it, which seems Okay, weird. hold on. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm the like, look of panic on her face. Um, that I wasn't yeah, I'll expecting. see if I can find a picture of it. To sh not on me, but like at the store to show you. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, we don't have to throw that up on social media or anything. You can just show me. <laughs> Excellent. So, Thank okay. you. Well, if it's in the store, I guess I really don't care. <laughs> so. Uh, so, Caress Crosby. Okay. That's right. Mary Phelps. U.S. inventor of the bra, who also went by Polly Peabody during her first marriage, and then Caress Crosby after her second marriage. So she has a whippet. This is a type of dog. I don't know if oh, you knew that. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Whippets Not also whippets. a drugs. Yeah. Yeah, and also something you do real good. Uh, but brace for it. The name of her dog? Clitoris? What? Now, let me tell you why I'm saying this. I'm not trying to be salacious. Rather, I'm trying to help you and our listeners understand this is not your average person in the early 20th or in the early 20th century. So she's an upper crust socialite from New York uh, City and she did not want for much. So when I was talking about her missing out on all that money, I think she probably did fared okay. okay anyway. Okay. Her family tree included a Crusades era knight. The founder of Boston's Dorchester neighborhood. Yes, Boston, you can tell me how I'm screwing that up. I'm Southern, okay? A Civil War commander. Also, the steamboat developer Robert Fulton and Plymouth Colony's first governor. Holy moly. She was a very prestigious lady. 
After her second marriage generated quite a bit of scandal in Boston. At some point, she moves from New York to Boston. I don't know the whereabouts and the move there, but it happens. But she and her husband move on to Paris, ironically, home of the other bra inventor I mentioned, Hermione Cadol. Uh, which I just realized I pronounced her name a different way that time. It's fine. All right, so the Crosbys were pretty wild, even for today's standards, with some pretty intense partying, an affection for opium, an open marriage, and a suicide pact. They Good were giving Lord. me those early 2000s Angelina Billy Bob vibes. Oh. In a strange twist. Her husband goes through on their suicide pact, oh, but no. not with her. With his mistress. That's not funny. But it's, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking, right? Oh so, my gosh. But I only mention that to, again to say, like, I think this woman's life took a lot of strange turns. Um, but before that happened, he and Caress had uh, gone into publishing. And they printed not only some of their own works, but that of D.H. Lawrence, K. Boyle, Ezra Pound, Lewis Carroll, James Joyce, Hart Crane, Robert Duncan... Anise Nin, Charles Bukowski, and Henry Miller. Hmm. So Caress later, even after her husband passes, she goes on to print works by Ernest Hemingway, William Faulkner, and Dorothy Parker. Wow. She returned to the U.S. in her 40s, long enough to open a gallery in D.C. and marry a football player 18 years her junior, Go caress. Oh, wow. Then she heads for her final home in Rome, where she buys a castle, and she's <laughs> developing a community for artists. She, wow. she goes on from there. She starts two political organizations aimed at be bettering international diplomacy, women against war, and citizens of the world. And she dies in 1970 at the age of 78. At that time, ta time called her the literary godmother to the lost generation of expatriate writers in Paris. Oh, that's cool. So, I mean, how have we never heard of this woman? Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. What a woman, what a life, so many accomplishments, and it all started with something so many of us wear to this day, the bra. So, I have some parting thoughts, but before I go into those, is there any questions that you have about caress, anything that I can answer for you? It's not about caress, but I found my bra on Target, and it's literally called the cozy bra. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Ooh. You heard that, everyone. If you wear a bra, get the cozy get bra. Get the cozy bra. I mean, you got to. It's in the name. It's Hanes. It's telling you right here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, perfect. I will also be looking into that. <laughs> it's <incidentally. great. clears throat> So today, I, and this connects back to what you were saying at the beginning. So it's going to come full circle. It all comes full circle. Like eventually. a bra cup. I would say that most people would call the bra confining. But it was actually very progressive for its time. It freed women from constraints of the corset. And corsets weren't just uncomfortable and restrictive. They could be downright dangerous. They were often laced so tightly that breathing was restricted, which would lead to them fainting. Mm -hmm. It would compress the abdominal organs that could cause poor digestion. Over time, the back muscles could atrophy. And in fact, long-term tight lacing led to the rib cage being deformed, which oh I believe they find now when they look at bones and stuff from people who have passed on. So 
When you think of it in those terms, I would argue that the bra is more than an undergarment. It's a symbol of freedom. It allowed women to move about more freely than before, leveling the play playing field, if you will, because how can you even compete when you can't even move? And no matter who you consider the inventor of the modern day bra to be, it indeed was invented by a woman. And who better to break the literal and metaphorical shackles of the times? And that's this week's Extra Sugar. <laughs>